Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. Reality television shows very rarely deal in reality because they're television shows, and that is becoming crystal clear with the Cardinals and their appearance on Hard Knocks because, for the moment, Hard Knocks ignored the shocking release of Eno Benjamin, who had some kind of blow-up with somebody on that coaching staff that was so bad it required cutting ties with a guy who was something of a hometown hero. But last night's episode also highlighted the leader and the professionalism of Colt McCoy and the effect he's having on his teammates on both sides of the ball. And if what we saw last night and what we felt is really the true vibe of this football team, then the Cardinals have no choice but to start McCoy in a must-win game against the 49ers on Monday because Cliff Kingsbury is not only clearly more comfortable with the backup quarterback, he even looks like a better coach. And if these two episodes have done nothing, Nothing else. They are slowly starting to change the way people are viewing a head coach who was on a very hot seat. But here's the rub. Murray is the better quarterback. Murray is the one with the $230 million contract. And if McCoy is better in Cliff's offense, then ultimately the offense is the problem. And all I know is this. If Murray is watching Hard Knocks and he's healthy enough to play football, I would think he'd be burning to change the current recurring narrative. Narrative. The narrative where the diminutive quarterback is the one holding everybody back. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. You guys, just one of those things, you, you know, trial and error. <laughs> Feel good, you know, strength, range of motion, stuff like that. And then uh, trusting in the training room, you know, those uh, with those guys, you know, their beliefs and stuff like that. And then obviously every athlete, you listen to your body. How's your body feeling? What's it, what's it telling you? It's Kyler Murray yesterday addressing the media asked, hey, when do you know when you're back from a hamstring injury? Uh, that was the explanation, trial and error. He also said this. I feel, I feel good. I feel good. Uh, he feels good. Will that be enough to play? We will find out, as they do. The Cardinals mm-hmm. played it very close to the vest. Um, and Cliff Kingsbury did go on record and say, we hope one of the quarterbacks can play on Monday. Yeah. They were both practicing. But let's, let's look at it from Kyler Murray's standpoint now, because Kyler Murray had that very embarrassing uh, study clause addendum in his contract, and then he had that heated press conference where he seemed to be speaking to the media. Not so much the organization that put it in the contract, uh-huh. and everybody was like, that's leadership. That's the fire we want to see from this guy. If I'm Kyler Murray and I'm watching last night's episode, I, you know, it, 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 wouldn't you feel like, hold on a minute here, hold on a minute here. I, I, I've got to take back control of this thing, and i got to show everybody what I can do. Wouldn't you feel that way? Yes, definitely would feel that way. If, and and the, the episode last night that aired on HBO started with Kyler Murray getting the hamstring massage, getting worked on, and he did talk about how much you know, um, you know how much he hated lo- missing time and not being out there. And you know, I think that that's a natural feeling to have when you can't go, being the star quarterback of a mm-hmm. team, and you're seeing. Um, your backup have success. It's probably a little bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. You're, you're happy for the team, but 
you're probably feeling a little bit more pressure to get out there and perform at the level that you think you're capable of performing right, at. Right. Yeah. Listen, and and, and I'm telling you that because I've heard from some people who've said, you know what, man, it, it's I wasn't digging Cliff Kingsbury, but I'm a little sympathetic with him because look, look at how good that offense looked against the Rams. And then I'm like, okay, we got to slow this down a little bit here because everything that we've dealt with up to this point has been very real. Now it may be very true that Kyler Murray is holding this team back, and if that's that's a whole nother kettle of fish. That opens a whole nother Pandora's box, if you ask me, right? Yes. Because if that's the case, then as I said in the blast, if that is true, if what we saw last night is actually really the vibe of this football team, then it's clear the whole team is is asking for Colt McCoy to be their quarterback. And if you're Kyler Murray and you want to be in Arizona long term, you're not going to take that very kindly. And if you're healthy enough to play, I would th- I would go to the coach and say, wait a minute, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm going to go win this game. We got Hollywood Brown back. I'm playing this thing. I've heard people. I've heard people speculate if Kyler Murray even wants to be here long term. I've heard people speculate that you know. But, during the contract negotiations, he was hoping for a trade to Denver, that he was hoping for a trade. Uh, uh, where else was the other place? Uh, Dallas, I believe. Dallas. Yeah. It was Dallas and Denver. So, so I, we're all hearing a lot of different things. But I would think that in the moment, if you were a $230 million franchise quarterback and you watched Hard Knocks, you would feel excited for the victory, that things got back on track. But you would want to be part of that show. You would want to be featured. You would want to be exalted the way Buddha. Baker is and J.J. Watt has been and DeAndre Hopkins has been. You would want that. Ah, but the question is, did he watch? I saw some clips. I didn't really... I didn't sit down and actually watch the episode, no. Uh, big no, picture. Oh, see, now that bothers me, too. How could you be a functioning member of this football team and not be watching this show? I don't if th- we had... If HBO Hard Knocks came in and filmed us seven days a week, do you think we would just not watch the show? I wouldn't watch it. You wouldn't? No. Oh, really? I wouldn't watch it. This completely aligns with how almost every athlete out there says, oh, we don't listen to what people say about us. We don't read the newspaper clippings. We don't acknowledge any of the outside noise, even though we know that they do. I don't know if I've heard, and I haven't listened to every bit of audio or every soundbite on this subject, but has there been a Cardinal who's admitted flat out, oh, yeah, this is great. I can't wait to see this. I don't think so. Murray said he's seeing clips. Most Zach, people have said, I don't have HBO. Zach Ertz was like advertising, hey, somebody give me your HBO login yeah. information because I'd like to see it. That's about as close as it got. Yeah. yeah. Cliff Kingsbury Cliff doesn't no. watch it. You would think that they would want to at least see how they're portrayed. They're, they're watching it. They're Sarah's watching probably on to something. They're it, saying it, they're not it, watching it and they're watching it. <laughs> I don't know how you wouldn't. You're a professional athlete. You you want to see how you're being portrayed. It's it's part of the deal. Well, how do you think Kyler Murray's been portrayed through I, two I, episodes? I I think it, it's he's being painted as part of the issue here. Yeah, and he hasn't been featured very prominently. No, and, even when he was healthy in episode one. Yeah, and it's like in just again this. So now he's dealing with an injury. This is the same time, or about the same time last year, when, when Kyler Murray was gone for three games and Colt McCoy first appeared, and we all realized, wow, Colt McCoy's got more than we thought he does. And then, and then there were a lot of reports from national media who were hearing things that, yeah, the team thinks that Kyler Murray's going to be okay to come, and he didn't, and he didn't, and he didn't. And it, it's if all all these things put together. Uh, look and sound like a football team that got some competent leadership at quarterback, and you can't take that away from them now. 
Now let's put a little context because the offense did look smoother with Colt McCoy, but they didn't even have 300 yards offense. No. They didn't score 30 points. It's not like they had this explosion of like 450 yards and 45 points. It, it looked, to the eye, it looked better, but... It, Statistically, it wasn't that much different. No, no. no listen, I, but again, it's but but again, you keep harping on context, Jared. Here's also the context. As football fans, we had grown very, very tired and very anxious and very frustrated watching this offense try to operate. It was so helter skelter and so frenetic and so frustrating, and just every play was a struggle to get the snap off before the play cl- uh, clock was expired, and then the timeouts, and then the frustration, and all that. It yeah. just. It, they became very hard to watch. And so at least for one game, it was like, oh, look at that. And a one, competent football team. One thing they also did, which I brought up last week that they never do, is he got two receivers involved. Rondell Moore mm-hmm. and DeAndre Hopkins each had big games, which is very rare for two receivers well, to have big games. Rondell, again, Rondell Moore has been trending up for three consecutive games now. It's it's one of the things that you look at and you go, this is good. I, I, I like the feel of this. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with Jared's assessment there either. If you go back to the Minnesota game, Hopkins was huge, 12 for 159 and a touchdown. Rondale Moore, 7 one, for 92 and a touchdown. They were both involved. I, I think we have selective recent memory there. Uh, but I do agree with Jared on the point. Um, we're focusing on the smoothness of the operation. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback and the head coach get most of the blame. I mean, Kyler Murray was the quarterback in the Seattle game. Was he responsible for eight pre-snap penalties? No. Was it coincidence that you know the sloppiness just coincided with him playing quarterback? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. But The clarity yeah, they, of communication, they, though, from Colt McCoy was such a point of emphasis in that show last night. And yes. the way he was explaining that we need to have receivers in the right spot. Be in the right spot, you're going to get the ball. Yes. That... Uh, of course, pre-snap penalties are not the quarterback's fault. In fact, the debut of Kyler Murray on the show, as he was walking off the field, was saying, how many pre-snap penalties we have? Yeah. But again, everything offensively begins with what comes out of the quarterback's mouth in the huddle or at the line of scrimmage. Well, that's where a lot of the uh, the, the criticism is now falling. When you, when you see what it looked like with Kyler Murray with this offense, with this personnel that's available to him, and then you see what it, was, it looked like with, with Colt McCoy, and everybody mm-hmm. pointed, wow, the ball got to the right place very quickly. It got out quick. Um, you know, There was a couple of, of look-offs. Uh, it wasn't always the initial read, especially on those bubble screens. That's where the onus falls on Kyler Murray now, is, the, is the pre-snap operation from him as... His ability to to process what what's in front of him, and it certainly seemed like HBO's goal was to show: look at what a good leader Colt McCoy is, and look how well he prepares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was part of the narrative they wanted to tell, without a doubt. And so I think that a lot of this uh, this this makes this very very fascinating because will that game plan and that offense work against one of the best defenses in the NFL? Um, that, that remains to be seen. The idea of getting the ball out quickly is a, a testament to Colt McCoy knowing before he even gets the ball where he's going with the ball. Uh-huh. That So you talk about pre-snap reads. That seemed to really jump out to me as well. And if Kyler Murray is that bad at pre-snap reads, that Colt McCoy looks that much different, 
then this is a failure all the way around because he's been in this offense for four years. And so either he's not getting the coaching, he's not taking the coaching, or this offense just is not suited to his talents. Yep. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, Suns get a big win over the Warriors at Footprint Center last night. But it wasn't all great. We'll get into some of the not-so-great details next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, I didn't even know he could pass for real. It's good to know, though, moving forward. Um, but that's good, man. Campaign with seven of them, too. It's, that's the type of basketball that we want to play. You know, the ball doesn't stick. The ball moves faster than people, and yeah, that's up. It's Devin Booker last night. Suns, 33 assists in a game where Chris Paul did not play. They had 44 baskets, so really good percentage, good sharing of the ball. Uh, Book having a little bit of fun with Mikel Bridges, who had yeah. a career-high nine assists, but that's kind of continuing. That seems to be a recurring yeah. theme, doesn't it? Yeah, Book, uh, Booker just poking at Mikel Bridges, uh, who you know is is obviously instrumental. Uh, Mikel Bridges was amazing last night with 23-9-9. Booker played very well. He had nine assists. Campaign, 29.7 assists. There was a lot to like. There was a couple things that weren't great. We played the soundbite earlier in the show uh, about Monty Williams kind of calling out uh, Cameron Payne for some stuff late in the game mm. where he continued uh, he, what he, what Monty Williams called silliness with some fouls late in the game when I think both teams were more interested in getting to the locker room, uh, including a flagrant foul, which that whole exchange was interesting. Because campaign kind of loaded up and took a swing at a block shot uh, on Clay Thompson, ended up committing the foul. The referees huddled. Clay Thompson was telling the officials, "No, come on, don't look at this. Let's just play." Mm-hmm. They came and looked at it anyway. They assessed the flagrant foul on, on Cameron Payne. So I guess you know if you want to get nitpicky, that was one thing. Uh, the DeAndre Ayton uh, performance w- was up and down once again. I thought he was good early. Um, kind of drifted after you know out of the consciousness after that first quarter, and there was you know overall the, the numbers weren't horrible for DeAndre. Seven of fourteen, fourteen point seven rebounds, yeah. he had two assists, but there were a couple of those isolated situations where a lot of people that watch the Suns and want DeAndre Ayton to be a certain thing and play a certain way were probably pulling their hair out. It's because DeAndre Ayton is kind of reverting to this thing that when he gets the ball in the lane, the minute he feels a bit of contact, he goes left or right or gets rid of the basketball. He never accepts it and tries to power through it. He never tries to go through anybody. And and that so much of his game, he's leaving so much on the table for refusing to do that. And you can start with the free throw attempts, which I think um, are really clearly something that's that that. He could be so much better at just by trying to get through guys because you do that, you show the ability, you show the aggression, you get rewarded by by NBA officials. Yeah. You don't get foul calls in the NBA by playing soft and acting like, ow, ow, look, he's slapping my arms. Don't you see that? They, refs don't respect that. They're not going to 
reward you for that. They're going to reward you if you go up and at the basket. Then they're going to call the foul on the other guy. And it's just not something DeAndre Ayton wants. He still gets so skittish when he last night he gets the ball and he's on the he's on the left elbow and there's nobody around and he ends up getting called for traveling because he doesn't know what to do with the basketball. And and I've seen him dribble. He can do it. He's fluid. He just gets locked up, and it just it gets frustrating because this is now a guy that's been given $133 million, and this is a guy who um, ranks 34th in the NBA in rebounding, which is asinine. Kyle Kuzma has got more rebounds per game than DeAndre Ayton. Uh, the new kid in Orlando, Paulo, Paulo Bancaro, has got more rebounds than DeAndre Ayton. And I could go on and on. DeAndre Ayton ranks like fifth on the team in block shots. It's he's leaving too much on the table is what I'm trying to say. And and again, I I'm, I'm not trying to get goofy here because I think the days of expecting him to become something that he's never going to become, we got to let that go. But at the same time as well, for this team to thrive, for this team to 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 get more free throws and more easy points, yeah. he can't get the ball in the post when Steph Curry is guarding him that was the, and then throw up a jump hook. That was the possession I was going to bring up. Is that yeah? You know, most centers would would and Steph Curry's a much improved defender, but come on, he's six come three on, and, right. and DeAndre Ayton six eleven, seven feet tall, and when you settle for a ten foot jump hook when when you're alone, isolated on him in the post, that can be frustrating, and he missed that shot. Now, those are the individual things that make you mm-hmm. uh, make you worry. But uh, to what you just said, you know, expecting him to be something that we were all hoping he would be, that's what's the tantalizing part is you still see those glimpses in year five. I know. You see it's those You see those stretches where you're like, oh, it's finally happening, and it was happening earlier this year. Now, Monty Williams uh, did uh, laud what DeAndre Ayton did in the, in the game conditions that were presented last night. Uh, he and Jock were pretty effective. Uh, when we watched the film in the second half, every time they went to the paint, they had four guys around them. That's why we got up so many threes and so we weren't necessarily taking advantage of their switching from scoring inside we took advantage of it from knocking down threes uh, so they, they had some sacrificial dives tonight but when they did get the ball um, they were aggressive the shots didn't always go but uh, that's okay I think the willingness to take the shot and take advantage of, take advantage of the situation is paramount for us and that is true but here's a big you mentioned free throws in the side we're dealing with that. A lot of people wanted to see how they would react to getting four free throw attempts in a full basketball game in Miami on Monday night. They got 25 last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't an issue. No. Here's the issue on free throws. Over the last three games, DeAndre Ayton has played 91 minutes of basketball. Has not shot a free throw. Three straight games, mm-hmm. I, and, and this is and that's just unacceptable. That that is that's uh, that's a subpar, disappointing show of physicality and force that he's letting his teammates down by playing that way. I, I say this in context of football players all the time. If you get a guy like like Patrick Peterson in his last couple of years with the Cardinals, just declining contact and and playing very soft and not exerting himself physically, that takes a toll on the team, man. And it it it, it affects the way you look at yourself. It affects the way you carry yourself. And more importantly, it affects the way that your opponent treats you. And, and so you've got to have that. And and it just. Again, I just I get disappointed because it, there is just so much skill mm-hmm. he has been blessed with. Yeah, it's it's off the charts. It, it is, and and for no free throws in almost a hundred minutes of basketball over three games, it got to be better than that. 
I don't so, think Joel Embiid's gone 90 seconds yeah, without shooting a free throw this year. But it, yet, at the same time here, it's, you know, the Phoenix Suns, they, it, they're they not paying a, that high of a price for it because Devin Booker's at a sensational level. They're yeah. doing all of this without Chris Paul, Cam Johnson. Yeah. It's really interesting. And and Jay Crowder. And no, yeah, nothing nothing coming back for Jay Crowder yet either, which over, there might be developments on. Over the four years of DeAndre Ayton, the Suns have figured out how to win with this version of DeAndre Ayton. It's true. That is true. And that might be the most important thing. Uh, it's disappointing, but it might be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, so many more returns to Tempe Beach Park February 25th and 26th. Tickets are on sale, but you can also head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com where you'll find complete details and your chance to win tickets. Uh, coming up next, we'll get uh, more into the Arizona Cardinals from a personnel standpoint, some guys getting healthy. Is this finally the week we see this offense unlocked, regardless of who's a quarterback? We'll explore next at the Pickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'm a man of faith. Uh, I told them when I was hurt, you know, when they put me on IR, I'd be back in four weeks. So, you know, it's God's plan. Uh, just excited to be where I am right now. It's Hollywood Brown yesterday designated for a return from injured reserve for the by the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. So the way that works operationally is uh, he can begin practicing and can be elevated to the 53-man roster anytime in the next 21 days. Does that mean a return to the roster for Monday night? It's certainly, I mean, it was impossible not to feel that, although there was a lot of cautious language used by Cliff Kingsbury and others yesterday on that. Um, you know, Hollywood Brown said, I told him I'll be back in four weeks. It's been four weeks. And if you rewind to when the Cardinals made that trade on draft night to get Mm -hmm. Hollywood Brown, one of the big reactions was, okay, this is going to be interesting to see Hollywood Brown as a number two receiver with DeAndre Hopkins as your number one go-to guy. I don't, it certainly wasn't part of the plan to have the first time those two guys are on the field together week 11, but, but here right. we are. You, yeah, exactly. You would, you would really like in a perfect world to, to have had them have a game together before you go play a defense like the 49ers in a stage like this. But look, it, 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 clearly Hollywood Brown can bring something to this offense and he can, he can help influence this game on Monday night with his speed and his speed alone. Hopefully they can find a way to do it. It's exciting news to see. The potential return of him and of Max Williams, who we do know is a very good run blocker who does not make a lot of mental errors, Mm -hmm. you know. And so that that's going to be one of the interesting things here too. It's it's just you know uh, how do the how does the improving health of both clubs affect what these these football teams look like? Forty ers were caught up in a in a gnarly game with the Chargers last week, and they came out after halftime and just put put the Chargers in a headlock, put them to sleep. And they've got that kind of defense. This Fred Warner guy, I think I I brought him up in the preseason because in the limited snaps that I saw, he looked like a player who's about to become a superstar. He's been really good for them. They've got they've got a real 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 dominant defense. They've got some hardcore football players on offense. It's going to take a real sturdy effort, but you know, one of the things that I've uh, you know, I've been saying this all year long. I've been I've been very very complimentary and I've been very inspired by the Cardinals defense and it's it's not just because they've 
produced results and help team help their team stay in games. But it's just the way they play. I, it, it's even Antonio Hamilton. It, it's who, who had a great great against the Rams last week. Mm-hmm. He gets up and hits you, man. Yeah. He hits you like a safety. And and they've got cornerbacks now. They're playing physical, and they got linebackers who are hitting you. And it's uh, uh, sign me up for that. I, there have been too many defenses in the Patrick Peterson era where there were soft players on the field, and soft players on the field are going to kill you. Yeah, uh, going back to that San Francisco defense, um, which what makes it so tough. And you could dive into all the advanced analytics about expected points and DVOA and all that stuff. And San Francisco is going to rank high. If you look at just some basic Basic defensive numbers, Bick. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. I mean, we mentioned it when we were talking to Jennifer Lee Chan earlier. Um, the San Francisco 49ers defense this year has given up more than 300 yards twice. Carolina got 308 yards against them, a game that the 49ers won by 22. And Kansas City... Yeah, they're pretty good on offense. They had mm-hmm. 529 yards of offense, and, and they were the one team to really expose that San Francisco defense. Uh, in terms of points given up, they've given up more than 19 points twice. Atlanta got them for 28, and mm-hmm. Kansas City got them for 44. Everybody else has been 19 or under. Yeah. Uh, even with improving health and added personnel to the mix for the Arizona Cardinals, this is going to be a big challenge. It is. Um, but, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't you know, really intrigued on what this could look like when you add Hollywood Brown, if he's, if he's ready to go, uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. You mentioned earlier in the show, Rondell Moore has been used differently, more consistently, and been productive. Um, regardless of, of who's at quarterback, um, this could be a, a you know a great a great step forward for an offense that's struggled for the most part this year. And if you can do that against a defense like this, that could be the difference well, in your season. It, then again, now you, now you're bringing back the quarterback element into this conversation because if it's Kyler Murray, what, what's the faith that you have in in assimilating a new piece on the fly into this offense that had been struggling so much beforehand? Um, our good buddy Chuck Harris pointed out that the pre-snap penalties, uh, they also do sometimes have a lot to do with the quarterback because one thing Kyler does is he gets up behind uh, and he gets the team information, but he holds them there too long. And when you hold offensive linemen in one in linemen in one place too long, you run the risk of them misfiring. That's one of the thing. One of the good things Colt McCoy did. He got him up to the line of scrimmage and bam, off they went. Mm-hmm. That is true. So, so yeah, listen. It sounds good in paper, but but sports are they're not. It's not rotisserie. You just can't throw great pieces together and think it's going to produce great results. We all we all like to think that this should be a, a really really good combination. Yeah, Kyler Murray did uh, speak to the media yesterday and talked about the possibility of uh, you know regardless of who's at quarterback, what the potential of Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins together could do for this offense. I mean, if they're both on the field, yeah, it's dangerous. You know, along with Rondell, Robbie, AJ, uh, James, Dorch. I mean, obviously Zach just got hurt. Trey's got to get going. You know, the the weapons are endless. You know, it's just about executing, uh, staying on schedule. And then, um, obviously, you know, the 49ers got a great rush. Defense is playing well. Regardless of the record, we know what they're capable of. You know, they're uh, people are, you know, high on the 49ers right now. Obvious reasons, but uh, they're a great team. So, 
Uh, in terms of the other quarterback, Colt McCoy, they were both at practice yesterday. Cliff Kingsbury said he hopes one of them will be able to play on Monday night. But Kyler Murray did reflect on uh, how big of an impact Colt McCoy has had. Colt, man, he's a he's probably he's since I've been in the league, really my only. Honestly, whole career, you know, only really veteran quarterback besides Bake, obviously in college. But um, you know, he's been around so much football, been around so many great coaches, uh, dealt with a lot of players, schemes. Um, just a really intelligent football player. Obviously, great friend. You know, uh, kind of got that father figure type of uh, vibe to him. All the guys look to him. You know, can trust him. Uh, really reliable, accountable. Just you know, he, he's a great teammate. So um, to have him, you know, in my corner. Obviously, the guys love. Um, as you, you know, I mean, there's nothing, nothing more I could ask for out of a, out of a guy. So Cliff Kingsbury talked about McCoy's influence on on Kyler Murray the last it's two years. Huge. Uh, like I said, since he's been here, you see Kyler's level of play um, was elevated, and it's a lot to do with Colt and how he views the game and how he processes the game and how he talks through the game with Kyler. And um, so you can't put a price tag on what he's he's meant for him and, and this entire organization. Which I find interesting too, because you know you're in year four. Of Kyler Murray right now, second year yeah. with Colt McCoy. You know, going back to the beginning of this uh, this tenure of Murray and Kingsbury together, isn't it interesting now to consider that the Cardinals didn't really invest in a veteran backup quarterback that could help the development of Kyler Murray well, the way that Colt McCoy has? But again, are we just accepting that that is true? Because I don't have we seen development from Kyler Murray this year. Are we just are we just accepting that? Yeah, that he's been great for him. I will say this: I'll tell you where he's great for him. He's not overtly coming for his job. Yes, that's where he's great for him. Yeah, he he shares with him. He gives him information. There's a lot of guys in the league who wouldn't do that and publicly praises him. Too. Right. Yeah. Right. That's also one of the things. Maybe that's not making Kyler want to rush back because he Could knows. Be. Could be this guy's not going to be our long term future starter. I don't have to rush back. But I also and and this has been proven too. The Kyler Murray. I mean. He was a Colt McCoy fan growing up. Both tech, legendary Texas high school quarterbacks. Yep. I think it meant something uh, a little different to Kyler Murray to have an influence like him. But to your point, Vic, that's totally fair. Uh, you know, we're talking about Colt McCoy and the influence he's had when, you know, we're also acknowledging there's been some noticeable regression from Kyler Murray this year in year four. The, and yeah, and that's not just us. That's everybody from Kyle Vandenbosch to anybody who's watched and covered this team. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think that I think Kyler Murray, when he does get back on the field, the onus is going to be on him to 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 lead the team and direct the team the way that Colt McCoy just did. Mm-hmm. Uh, week 11 of Bix Picks is here. Text the word pick to 620-620 to sign up. Compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize, a 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text the word PICK to 620-620, and that will get you entered. Coming up next, uh, around the NBA we go. Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets gave an interview. It's got a lot of people with raised eyebrows. We'll get into some of the details of that interview and more NBA talk next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Floorbirds with Bickley and Murata. Yeah, it wasn't all about the Suns and Warriors last night. All the Suns got a uh, big win over the defending champions. Uh, In the NBA yesterday, the last time the Brooklyn Nets took the floor, Bick, was in Sacramento against the Kings. 
who trounced them by 32 points and scored 153 points against the Nets, mm-hmm. who continue to be just a study in dysfunction. Um, Kyrie Irving not back. He could be back as early as Sunday. Ben Simmons still uh, very... I mean, they're having a hard time finding a role that works for him, whether it's off the bench or starting. Kevin Durant is there um, for now. But we don't know what to make of all of it. Kevin Durant did an exclusive uh, Bleacher Report interview yesterday uh, that was published uh, by Chris Haynes. And there was a lot of different things. And, And you come away with different situations or different feelings on how Kevin Durant feels about Brooklyn right now. Uh, here's one quote. Quote, it's been fun grinding with these dudes. It's been fun grinding with Jock, Jock Vaughn, the head coach. Mm -hmm. It's been fun trying to leverage myself to help everybody else get better. I'm learning the game more and seeing all types of crazy defenses every night. I never know how a team is going to guard me. This is all helping me mentally as a player to see things a little slower, playing a little slower. So it's like, okay, now that Steve Nash is gone, um, you know, he, he maybe likes the direction a little bit more, and it sounds like a positive. But then he talks about the the lack of team success that they're having. Listen to this quote. Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there? So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. (laughs) So which is it? Is he happy now? Or does he still feel like he's trying to elevate scrubs? uh, Again, that's that's unbelievable, isn't it? Yes. I mean, that's that's Kevin Durant in a nutshell. That's all. That's everything you get with him. The the never happy, the defensive, the yet yet I don't know. It's they it's talked about mess. his trade request mm-hmm. of last summer that obviously very much looped in the Phoenix Suns because they were at the top of his uh, destinations. Quote: It wasn't difficult at all to request a trade because it was about ball. I went to them and was like, yo, I don't know how we're preparing. I don't like shoot-arounds. I like practices. I need more. I want to work on more bleep. Hold me accountable. Get on my ass and film if that's uh, going to help you get on everybody else's head. I do want more closeouts. I want to work on more shell drills or practice. The type of bleep I was coming at them with, uh, it wasn't like, yo, y'all need to make sure everybody around me can make uh, make my life easier. I want to make everybody else's life easier. Easier. Ask Steve Nash. You can go call him right now. I would say, I need more closeout drills. We need to practice more. That's what I was on. I wasn't feeling that, and nobody was on the same vibe with me. Jock Vaughn is. I had some complaints in the summer, and my complaints were not just about me. It was about how we are moving as a unit. I want us to be respected out here in the basketball world. I don't want players to look at us and say, oh, man, these bleeps are full of bleep, and that's not the type of team I want to be on. So when we're all playing wow. uh, like bleep you know one person the one person they're going to look at that's why i request well you'd hate to be a bleep that's full of bleep yeah bleep yeah as somebody who's been that before it is not a fun place to be (laughs) yeah it's a handful man it is i mean again you you can't really diagnose the level of happiness and yes it's only mid-november um you know could could kevin durant be traded absolutely if the phoenix suns are still in on kevin durant it's very likely that that won't happen until January. Yes. Is yes. it an overstatement to say the Suns may have dodged a bullet that the Durant thing didn't materialize? Yeah, it's it's premature to say that. Okay. I think. 
I do think there's a yeah. Listen, there's a there's a certain toxicity that has followed him everywhere he goes, and it it's just his his brooding, his lingering unhappiness, the senseless battles that he fights, the 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 constant feeling of being disrespected. It's he's trying so hard to be his own guy. I don't even know if he has any any concept of what that is, and and yet. <laughs> And yet, we, we he had this market on pins and needles for twenty four hours over the summer. So I don't know. It it seems it seems to me that the, that that whole thing is just it, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Kyrie Irving is coming back when next week. It could be as early as Sunday. They say okay. And, and how that thing feels going forward because you know it, he. It, he created a lot of negative energy in the NBA as well, and so I, I don't know where this whole thing is going once he gets back. No, uh, and does it add another different level of dysfunction since he's been away with the team? I mean, there's been a lot of criticism lobbed on him. That's the thing that I can't get past is you, you read these quotes and these interviews with Kevin Durant, and you know where is he at ultimately? Who knows? Mm-hmm. He's still only the third most dysfunctional player on that team. That's funny. Yeah, it's true. You're right about that. Because Ben Simmons, there were separate stories. That the, the 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 Nets had to have a players only meeting with Ben Simmons in the room about Ben Simmons because they want to try to unlock his potential. And according to the reports, he was receptive and accepting of the criticism. But we know how that's gone in the past too. Mm-hmm. Now, did the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers handle that correctly? No, obviously not. Uh, it was in the moment frustration from a, a disappointing playoff exit, and Ben Simmons was at the heart of it. I think they would like to go back and probably hold their tongues a little bit more. Doc Rivers <laughs> Maybe. at the, yeah, at the top of the I list. See that. Yeah. Because that did some damage to Ben Simmons, no mm-hmm. doubt. But he hasn't recovered from it. And he talks about... You hey, know, he the, scored 11 points the other night. What do you want from the guy? Season see, high. Is that a season high? Season high. Look Double digits. Look at that. Oh. <laughs> All I know is the Sacramento Kings put 153 on that Brooklyn team. Unbelievable. Which is incredible. Uh, the other... I mean, we, we just saw Golden State, too. The defending champions with a lot of their core back from, from those championship teams. But they're not playing well. They didn't play well last night outside of Steph Curry. But here's what... You know, if if you're a believer in, in Golden State getting things together, and I am, and I, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, but they're taking this seriously. They're not dodging this and saying, oh, we're the champs, we'll be fine, it's only November. Draymond Green did a, uh, an interview um, uh, with The Athletic. Uh, Sam Amick did the interview, and he was asked, so how real are these struggles? How fixable are they? He answered, I think the struggles are real. Like, I don't think our struggles are just like something we can ignore. They're real struggles. They're very fixable struggles. I don't want to say they can be easily fixed because to say something is easy in this profession is a lie in itself, but they are very fixable. Steve Kerr acknowledged, hey, the end of this run is coming. This could be the last year with this group. Maybe next year is the last year, but there's at least with Golden State an acknowledgement of their own their own foibles, their own weaknesses. Nice uh-huh. to see Draymond Green acknowledging the problem that may have been caused by, I don't know, him punching a teammate in the face. Well, let, let, let's, let's loop Jordan Poole into this. The Golden State Warriors currently have a two-guard problem. Because out of reverence to, to Clay Thompson, he starts. He's not the same player. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson didn't play in their last game before last night. Jordan Poole started and scored 36 points. You watched the game, Bick. Did you notice Jordan Poole no. out there at all? No, but you know what I did notice? I noticed a Warriors team that had nobody, and I mean nobody, who could defend Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And that's not going to get better. Clay Thompson can't do it anymore. No. 
So I mean, which, you, which is also why I found last night's game so fun because it was just so dismissive of a team that thought they were in our heads. Mm-hmm. You know, all last year when the Suns were at number one, they were the ones squawking about we're going to win the championship, and and they did, and they did, but but. <laughs> to run through them like they did last night on a night when Steph scored 50 yeah. is just incredibly gratifying as a fan. And the Suns have played them twice and popped 130 on them both times. <laughs> it's, that's, you're right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's They have. Yes. You yep. can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we get into some social studies. Sarah Gazelle takes us through all the happenings at our Twitter account at Bickley underscore Murata. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on, nine, or on uh, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.